0: guys, I am Monica, And my name is Cruz. And this is the Convex Lobsters Podcast. Very
1: and today, today we're going to talk about the Gulag Archipelago, the book from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn was a captain of the Soviet uh, Wa- uh, Army, and he was also a philosopher, historian, and novelist. And this book that we're going to talk about today won the Nobel Prize of Literature in... 1970 because he was very shocking and and showed the world about the things uh, in Soviet cam- camps that that is called gulags and he also wrote another book called One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich that it was a novel about this a prisoner and he published it earlier because he couldn't tell all the truth Uh, literally, and then he published this, and after he decided to publish the Gulag Archipelago that caused this enormous impact. So, we have read different books, different editions. I bought the version, the 15th anniversary, 50th anniversary, that has the foreword by Jordan Peterson, but you don't have all the complete Chapters because he he's a complete of all the books. So they like chapter seven, eight, nine, and ten. They don't have the 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 good stories about other prisoners and and so on. So I don't know if you want to get the full story, the full stories that they t- that <clears throat> that he tells in the book. Maybe it's better you buy the versions separately and not this one. But this one is good because it's less pages to read. So make your choice. Yeah, it, it
0: is a massive book. So yeah. If you don't want to read like 2,000 pages, you can pick the, the shorter one. But I would tell you that it is an easy book to read. It yeah. Is a, it, it goes calmly, not so calmly, but it has its own flow to read. Yeah, so but I
1: I had some. Hard times because it's kind of heavy, yeah. The 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 team, the things. It's not like absolutely uh, a walk in the park. It's kind of uh, serious stuff. So it's kind. This makes makes the book a little heavy, but that's it.
0: Yeah. If you if you want to to understand a little bit about this book, you could you could read in the internet mm. how in wrote it, yes, it was hand-wrote, uh, hand and in the, in the beginning, when there was only pages with, uh, like, no treatment, people used to get the book and they have to read in one day and pass it forward because the government could catch the book. And, yeah,
1: and, and I don't know where, where, but he makes some kind of... Uh, he thanks some of the people who collaborated with him to uh, save these manuscripts. So then, after, put it all together and make the book... Compilating, yes. Yeah, I compilating. Think, yeah. I don't
0: remember exactly where, but I think it's Germany was the first... Country to translate the book and spread it all over the world, but to be honest, it was important. Uh, there was many philosophers and historians that tell that probably Gulag Archipelago was the most important book to understand about the communist dictatorship and uh, the problems all all over the Gulags. It was so. So, so hidden, people yeah. really really didn't know about that.
1: Yeah, so before we talk about the forewords, uh, I want to read the first page that I- it is in my book, that is, I dedicated this to all those who did not live to tell it, and may they please forgive me for not having seen it all, not remembered it at all, for not having divined all of it.
0: It's important to tell that actually the book is not his passage in the gulags and the whole prison system, but there was 227 witnesses that collaborated with the book with memoirs, letters, reports. Actually many of them were uh, named in the book, but there were there were Many of them as well that wasn't named, probably for preservation of the identity or something like that. We, I really don't know this information, but if you take a little take a little read in the pages, you will see a, a lot of people who were only named for the first letter of the name. You know? Yeah. So it's like talking about me in the book as L.M. and not as my name.
1: Yeah, and in the foreword, uh, I have an f- important thing here that Peterson says. The, the power of the, your stories and the strength of your morals demolish any remaining claims to the ethical and philosophical credibility still made by defenders of the collective system that gave rise to all that you witnessed. So that that was like the, the importance of the book in the West. And in your foreword has a important thing as well, right?
0: Actually, in my forewords, there is a passage, important passage about Solzhenitsyn winning the Nobel Prize because he didn't attend to the event. He was afraid of leaving Russia and being forbidden to, to come back. So he didn't he didn't go to the event, basically, but he wrote a statement to be read in the in the in the prize event, uh, and there, there's a there, there is a special passage of the in this statement about the coincidence of the 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 day of the Nobel Prize presentation coincides with Human Rights Day, and actually he he tells people about uh, the importance of people not to forget that political prisoners are on hunger strikes this very day and in defense of rights that have been curtailed or trampled underfoot. It's literally what it is in, in his statement. But that, that, that's kind of anchored because the Swedish government uh, failed to read out that part of the statement, so it comes out that nobody knows it yeah the but there book. is in the book <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> and so let's go to the chapter one that's called arrests and the thing that shocks in this chapter is that they had uh he talks about the, the the prisons that were occurring that that was wave of waves of prisons and they had a quotas for a specific number of arrests so they are finding uh, some reasons in uh, for or not for taking per- people to the prisons. So that's very the, the very thing that shocks you in the, the, this chapter, like for the beginning.
0: Yeah, we'll see in the, the, the whole book actually, there was no purpose at all to be imprisoned. You could be doing your ordinary stuff in the day and get arrested and you will see your freedom going to space. Yeah. And actually, he, he, he was arrested in, a, in a, during the war. He was in the, the battlefield say-so and there was intersections in letters that he was writing to a friend of him. And he was talking about politics in the letter and that's why he, he he was arrested
1: and making some jokes about the awful uh, conditions in the front lines of war, as well.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so he was he was arrested for this reason. But but when you advance in the book, you see many many people that was arrested for no reason, absolutely no reason. Actually, of course, there there was a reason to be arrested, in the Oregon's mind and the Motherland's minds but. For the person itself,
1: really, really doesn't make sense. Yeah, and you can see uh, in the chapter two, you have the the explanation of the laws that were created to to put these people in prison for kind of no reason. Then they created the article 58 in 1926, and most of people were jailed under this article, but the people didn't have the access to the code to see what, what was written in this article. So it's kind of, the, they said you were arrested, but uh, you didn't know exactly why.
0: Exactly, yes. And that that's a passage. It's kind of funny. It's not funny, you know, but if you read that, you, you see some sarcasm Then uh, A wife, looking for his husband who disappeared and she went to the local statement policy statement whatever and she wanted to know where he was and for that reason she was arrested yeah that's crazy you know
1: yeah and the sozinitsyn puts in the way things that are real sad but in a kind of sarcastic way and or some like uh, in a joke that it's funny but you, you, you know that that was a real thing, so it's not yeah, funny, it's, he's not like making a joke with that.
0: And how heavy things are.
1: Yeah. How, how,
0: how, much, how much darkness... Yeah. yeah you know? Um, and at that point, it's important to say that yeah. souls doesn't really tell us about his story, you know? He talks about of course his arrest he talks about uh, his passage in the in the cell but to be honest it's kind of many people history
1: yeah you know yeah, many yeah. people
0: history. it's not the history of alexander souls its a history yeah, of right. the, the, the the whole prison system in the 1917 to 1950 something you know it, it's a it's a it's a whole Period of arrestment, interrogation, trials, and stuff like that. Uh, so when the Bolsheviks takes control of the government, uh, there was no criminal code. Uh, so the 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 arrest the, the arrests were, were all expediency. That's why there was so many waves of arrestment. You know, so for many many reasons like the social democrats wave the monks wave it was a way for monks it was a way for gold you know if you if you have any gold in your pockets <laughs> you could be arrested as well yeah but it is important in the second chapter uh, in 1926 there they wrote a code uh, a criminal code and there is an article called uh, an article article 58 in this code that puts a lot of occasions where you could go to jail for being against the Soviet Union there was actually 14 sections in this article speci- specifically and the most important stuff is so so many subjective stuff like you could go to, to jail for simply not uh, like make a denunciation if you don't make a denunciation about like your neighborhood being against the soviet union you could go to jail
1: yeah that's created a horrible incentive that you have to denounce your neighbor. And, and you had the feeling that if you don't, then your neighbor would uh, denounce you. So you had to be the act first. And that that was horrible. And many people were jailed for nothing because of this uh, destructive incentive put by the, the law. That's absolutely
0: George Orwell's word, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: Because if your neighbor is a counter-revolutionary, And you don't denunciate him, you probably could go to jail as well. If you scream in the street under any arrestment happening, you could go to jail as well. Yeah. Because you were making some kind of um, subversion, some rebellion, some stuff like that. And if you, if you name the, the, the 14 sections in this article, you'll see how crazy it is. It starts like, action or absence of action to weakening of state power. So, absence of action to weakening of state power, what the hell is that? Yeah. You know? Absence of action? Come on! You gotta jail for anything.
1: Exactly. And then we can talk about the interrogations. That was the next step when you sure. went to jail. So, in this third chapter, the that called that is called interrogations. We can see the list of techniques of uh, of torture to find to get some informations. But most most of the time the 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 person didn't have much to say because most of the time he, he didn't have much to say because he was jailed unjustly. So and then the, the art the the chapter has in total of thirty more than thirty I
0: think it's thirty one uh, isn't
1: it thirty one uh techniques of uh torture described in this chapter that's insane reading all of that
0: probably the most heavy part of the book yeah because uh doesn't only tell us what the technique of torture is but it gives us examples it is women it is men it is old buddies all going under torture that probably would kill, and did kill actually, a lot of people, and uh, one of them, one of the most effective stuff, probably the sleeplessness and uh, the lights all the time shining in your room, there was a lot of psychology torture, like there is one. I think it's it's very very interesting. The, the the person who's under interrogation. Is in a jail. Yes. It's like you you're going to be in the jail when you are not under interrogation, and then you were put in an office when you were under interrogation. There's a lot of people who taken out of the jail, puts in the in the in the office. And the interrogator doesn't say a thing. It doesn't say a thing. And you stay there for eight hours straight without any word spoken.
1: That's and great. then you were,
0: you were back to your jail. And you were back to your jail where there's no, uh, <clears throat> no heat. You were. Very, very, they're, they're, they were very, very cold jails. So uh, you can't, you can't sleep because of the light, and that brings you insane, you know.
1: Yeah, like awful conditions in the in the cells. He describes it better and says that there's sometimes muds in, in the floor, and and you have to 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 be to to sleep, try to sleep there. So that's. Awful.
0: And normally you have only a
1: stool to sit your ass down. Yeah.
0: Have nothing but that. And that's impressive because normally you what's the point of the interrogation? You have to confess. You have to confess something. And yeah. many people many people did confess because they have nothing to do.
1: Yeah, but yeah, and there's the difficult part of trying to Confess something that you did not know you did. That that's the most cases like Exactly.
0: Where... You you actually you don't know what the hell is going on. You don't you don't even know what exactly you're being uh, you were being accusated. You don't know. Yeah. You don't know. And and they give you a sheet of paper to to confess, to to make a sign and with the, the the article you were put in, but they don't they they didn't give you the, the, the code actually. you don't know what exactly the, the the article says. Yeah and here here's a here's something inter- of, of course the psychology torture is one of the the most effective but they beat you they put you in the in a dirty jail they put bugs in your in your jail. There's actually a special passage I, I, I got memorized. Uh, there was a guy who was put into a sandbox. Actually, it's not a sandbox, but in my mind, when Souls was writing that, I imagined that as a sandbox, with a lot of bugs biting him all the time. And he was there for two whole days. Yeah. With the, sun in, with the sun in his head, and the bugs biting him all the time. And probably after he was put in the jail, Again, and that that that's the, the 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 techniques, you know. And this is absurd. This is absurd. Yeah. try you to be one day, two days straight without sleep.
1: Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that would destroy you completely. <laughs> we'll so for that. So let's move to the chapter four, the blue caps. That's a very important chapter. And the blue caps were the these agents. Who had the power to jail people so they had like a superpower they were like almost like god who decided who will go to jail or not and as i said before they had like these uh, numbers of jailed people to go after so they started trying to find motive to, to, to jail people and that was like crazy that how much power had a some state uh, workers, you know.
0: Actually the members of organs we're talking about, they have an understanding that the trials and uh, the interrogations and whatever, they were all fabricated. Remember we we're talking about waves of imprisonment? and these waves were actually something the government saying you have to to arrest this people you know so this exact group of people so the cases were all fabricated you know you can't you can't have uh, a reason to arrest everyone you you can try to put the the people into some kind of article in the code some section in the code, but actually they really didn't do that.
1: Yeah, and you it's funny because the communist idea was about everybody is equal, but on, on the try of doing everybody is equal in economic measure, they did the mo, a, a higher hierarchical structure. That was the people like the blue caps or people in the Communist Party and they were the absolute gods over all, uh, all the rest of the population that was on the risk of being imprisoned in at any time and and got to deal with the yeah. shortage of foods and, and things like that.
0: It's interesting to to take a look at the Blue Caps, actually. Uh, they have a uh, strength power to... to arrest anyone any civilian or something like this uh, but actually they were they they weren't in the top of hierarchy so that's interesting because there was a lot of fights among this uh, members of groups of organs that were trying to arrest each other you know there's a passage in the in the in the late in the in in one of those those chapters the law becomes a man, the chapter name uh oh, actually the law matures, that you see that. It was some kind of great great member of any of those organs that was trying to arrest other great great member of other organ.
1: Yeah, fight of power.
0: Fight of power, total. So. Yeah. Yeah. Other things it, it is interesting that actually Solzhenitsyn describes that the he makes a, a, a comparison with the, the the book Tolstoy, the death of Ivan Ilyich, and uh, it is interesting because in this book, Ivan Ilyich was a member of uh, Oregon, Of course, it was a Tsarist regime back in that time, but it was the same stuff, you know. He 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 was a man full of power. He could he could make. Any kind of accusation into people and get success with that. Yeah, there was, there was no, there was no. Actually, there was no structure. There was no reglementation, It was full power.
1: Yeah, and in the in the end of this chapter, um, Solzhenitsyn says we have to condemn publicly the very idea that some people have the right to repress others. Exactly. Um, yeah, that's it. Exactly. Um, that, that's the
0: point, actually. And the whole, the whole government, the Soviet Union was about that. You no. Know? Right. So so, 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 many repression under the individual person. You, you have to to contribute to your to your country. However. There was so many ways you could be trampled underfoot with that.
1: Yeah. So, let's move to the chapter 5.
0: I, I would like to, to make it, uh, a good point. Because mm-hmm. solzhenitsyn actually talks that... It doesn't mean that the Blue Cat, the member of this organ, is a, a guy full of evilness, you know? Yeah. He's a, he's a part of the system. A corrupted system. He's a screw in the machine, you know. Yeah. And uh, that 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 leads me in a reflection about uh, how Hannah Arendt, a political philosopher, talks about that. You know, you normally you are the guy who pushed the button. You're the guy who pressed the button. But you don't really think about what's the consequence. Of pushing the button, but you only know that you have to push the the, the goddamn button, you know. Yeah. So you go and do that without thinking. Doesn't mean you are an evil person. Probably you are, <laughs> but probably you are naive at least.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of a reflection that Jordan Peterson makes in the in, the, in this case, that the the construction of the system was about naiveness and people that were willing to give up their responsibility of their own relationship to the truth. And then the state would grow to this size and then they are in this system that they have to constantly lie and, and not face the, 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 the reality.
0: Yeah. And... Uh... Actually, it's important to say that Jordan Peterson will be appearing here in this podcast. As soon as you can see. Yeah. We're going to make a review of his book as well. Uh, right. And, and you were saying we're going to the First Hell, First Love, the next chapter of the book. And, yeah. Uh, this is this is a, a great, great chapter. because You can see that Solzny team uh, built the book like with a good um, timeline. So you have the rest, you have the the story of the, the, the waves of rest, you have the interrogation, you have the, the, the explanation about the interrogator, now the, blue, the, blue, the, the blue caps. And now you have the moment when you leave the interrogation. It's good to say you survived the interrogation. Not the, you, you, yeah. you survive interrogation. And you go to the punishment cell.
1: And now you are not alone. You find some some people. They He said uh, you encounter others like yourself doomed to the same fate. So they exactly. know they are doomed, but at least they have each other.
0: And, and that's crazy, because with those many waves of harassment, Imagine how many people who would disagree with each other were placed in a cell all together for the same reason. How how ironic is that, isn't it? Yeah. You have something like an anarchist and a social democrat in the same cell.
1: You. And they committed the same crime. Exactly. Okay. That.
0: For a system that actually, many of those guys who were arrested. They, at some point, thought it was ex- experience. You know, they they actually well, maybe the Bolshevik government would be okay. And then they find out that no, it's not. You're going to jail.
1: Yeah. We can move to the chapter six. That's, That's pretty, pretty nice. yeah. So it talks a little bit about the end of the Second World War. Do you have anything to say about it?
0: Uh, actually, the, the, in this chapter, what what really makes me uh, thinking about it's the feeling of amnesty that after the war, people would be uh released from the 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 jail because a lot of a lot of a lot of prisoners were arrested during the war for expediency as i as i as i said and uh, because the war brought some uh vulnerability to the Soviet Union. So a lot of people thought that with the end of the war, the amnesty would happen. Actually, Solzhenitsyn War was uh, arrested during the war, you know? Yeah. So, so that that's a feeling, that's a feeling, that's a common feeling into this time. Uh, and actually, of course, there was no amnesty. And the feeling of betrayal, was the most impactful in this time because Russia calls people again when the war is over. Like, uh, okay, you were you were hiding yourself out of Soviet Union, but you were welcome to 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 come back to the country, you know, to the motherland. But when people come back, they were all arrested. So there was no amnesty and no mercy at all.
1: Yeah, and talking about this feeling of betrayal, the Sozanitsin said some interesting things about it in this chapter. One of them is, in general, this war revealed to us that the worst thing in the world was to be a Russian. And after that, uh, he said something like, uh, the West simply had to understand that the Bolshevism was an enemy for all mankind. And the, I think the most important quote of this chapter is In World War II, the West kept defending its own freedom and defended it for itself. And for us and Eastern Europe, it buried us in an even more an absolute hopeless slavery. So um, I think that has a, a great a vision that we in the West cannot see. But they saw like the United States and with Soviet Union defeating the, the, the Germans and then the, the authoritarianism in, the, in Germany and in the west part of Europe, it's solved. They are free again. But they don't mind thinking about the, the Russians, the Eastern Europes that were, Europeans that were in the communism regime. So they felt like they were betrayed by the rest of the world, and that's completely understandable. The this feeling,
0: and it's reasonable to, to, to remember that uh, this this oblivion promoted by the Western. That's probably one of the the, the reasons why we see many many people Romanizing communism.
1: Yeah, because it lasts longer.
0: You know it's it's so far from the western education or yes. understanding this oblivion that probably we see today many people saying that the the, the fear of communism is a old american stuff you know Something yeah like just just relating it to the, the, the cold war and not for the the, the real problem of the, the the Soviet Union promoted back in the time. They killed people, and that was not little number. It's a lot of people.
1: Yeah. So we're, we're
0: yeah. talking about we're talking about executions. You know, we're talking about uh, torture that leads to death. We're talking about a lot of stuff, and, and, and you stay for 20 years in a, in a labor camp, in a hard labor camp. Imagine some guy like 50 years old.
1: His life is over if he gets... Of course! Even a tenner. Yeah, there are many ways that the authoritarian regime can destroy the, the a life of a, a, a person. It's not necessary the execution or a jail. Because the whole system destroyed the, the, the whole society, so that's okay. yeah imagine so imagine yeah.
0: you living a life where you see many people you know being arrested for no reason. so you living this is already some way uh, a, a doomed life because you don't know. If you were gonna be the next, so. yeah,
1: that's right. You can't trust the who are closer to you, so that's like terrifying.
0: That that's the point. And if you're not a bureaucrat or a member of the government or the party itself, you probably d- didn't have a, a, a nice life. Oh, so you're you're probably gonna gonna be a, a poor guy. You know, a per a poor person, you you have yeah. a ration of food. You you doesn't really have much money, and that's kind of a struggling, a struggle life. You know.
1: Yeah, of course. So in chapter seven, we have the engine room. That... Yeah, I think. Go
0: on, go on. I, I was, I was.
1: No, that that's a chapter about the OSO. That's a department, kind of the Department of Defense, and it it's it was a kind of an invisible department that worked by convenience. So what do you have to tell about about it?
0: It's it's good to say that the next four chapters, starting for the Indian in the engine room, we'll talk about how the 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 whole uh prosecution and trials and arrestments works because in the engine room the the main subject of this chapter is about the oso as you as you said and uh, there also wasn't something you could see so it wasn't a a physical department it was a a, uh it works as you as you said with the convenience, so it was uh, full subordinated to Stalin, like the government, the head chief, yes. Uh, actually, Solzhenitsyn says it, it was subordinate only to the Minister of Internal Affairs, to Stalin and to Satan. He literally says that. Uh, and they also worked to make the extrajudicial arrests, so things that not go in public. Uh, probably he, it was the most important organ to the government, make the the arrestment and put people in jail. Yes.
1: Yeah. About Stalin, uh, I think that Stalin tells in previous chapters something about that if if somebody does something like in these organs. And it goes right. It, it's like Stalin's. Uh, it was because of Stalin. And if it goes wrong, it's because st- he, they didn't listen to Stalin. So they had like to predict kind of what Stalin wants. And but Stalin didn't say what he wants the, yes. the organs to do. That's crazy.
0: Yes. That that's that's a nice that's a nice point. He he really says that he that Stalin wasn't uh, pointing what to do exactly what to do yeah that's right it was kind of open but the objective was clear you know the objective yeah. was clear but there was many members of the government uh, and the party as well who committed stuff and were arrested and that's because things didn't work the way it should and to try to to free the the to Stalin, you put under others
1: back yeah right so and and in chapter eight it begins about it it's about the trials right yes so the important thing to to notice here is here the our books they differ because i don't have the stories in chapter eight nine and ten so so go on
0: yeah, the, the, the important stuff is, like, the chapter 8, 9, and 10, they work like a timeline. The chapter 8, will, we are talking about the beginning of the regime, the, the first arrestments, the the, the the first trials, and the first waves of arrest. And uh, it's nice to say that Solzhenitsyn mentioned the extrajudicial arrestment, and then he starts to talk the public trials. And what, what is a public trial, you know? It is, it is important to understand that there was many arrestments under cover, but the, it is important to the government to put people on public trial to show up how it works and to point fingers on public enemies, you know, and those public trials work for for, for this reason. I'm gonna tell you that it is important to, to understand that those public trials was like were like a play, you know, in a theater. They picked the exact case that should go on trial so people who's watching the trial could say oh the motherland is correct they should arrest those guys they should execute those guys so and we're talking about 1917 we're not talking about stalin moment we're talking about lenin moment and uh, in this in this in this beginning in this chapter the law as a child we are not talking about uh the article 58 yes that we mentioned earlier because the code is from the code is from 1926 so this first uh this first trials wasn't based in a law it was based only by conveniency of course the code wasn't uh, something uh objective you know but this moment, there was not, we we couldn't see even a code, it was totally subjective. Uh, those trials,
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, when, we were, when we we're gonna talk about uh, the, the 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 there was about 15 cases that uh, souls needing put it on this chat, the, the, these three chapters, but I think it's it's nice to mention uh, at least. Two of those and they are in the chapter 9 and chapter 10. And the case of the suicide of engineer Oldenborger is one of those who I normally say that it is so interesting to, to, to see the impact. Because Oldenborger, who who Odenborger was? Odenborger was a man who controlled the water system in the Russian. Even before the regime starts, so back in the time when, when, when the, the, the tsarists still uh, ruling the, the Russia, this man already run the, the water system. But actually, he was a very good manager of the, the water system. The water was so was so in good quality in every turn. And when they try to to to, to try him every time someone of the government go to the, the to the 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 place where he runs the the water system they try to to make an uh, as experimental but they state uh, they, they, they found out that the state of the water system was sex- set satisfactory and the technical different direction was efficient, so they couldn't put him on trial. They couldn't put a guilt on him. But after a long time uh, being on trial and being interrogated, and with the government on his on his feet on, on his on his track, Oldenburger ended up killing himself.
1: Yeah, that's uh, an example of how. This, this authoritarian system can destroy a life without executing directly. It can destroy the life that, that made that destroy the meaning of the of of this person to live, basically. Yeah,
0: exactly. And that's funny because the commission made it to, to to find out if the state of water was unsatisfactory, but actually they, they said it wasn't it was satisfactory. Uh the, the members of those commissions were arrested as well you know because they said oh but the water is okay
1: okay." okay.
0: and the government said no it's not okay so you're going to jail as well and and that's crazy and i think this is probably one of the most important public trials uh brought on the book Uh, but i I, i'd like to 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 mention uh, a good one as well that was in the Chapter 10, the law matures, because Solzhenitsyn mentioned that at some point the Soviet government found out that the, the public trials wasn't good at anymore. And why? Because of that particular trial. So in the chapter 10, there is a, a nice public trial that souls needs to talk about and um, and actually it, him he he tells it like it was the last public trial in soviet government because it was very very shocking to people who watched the 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 trial and what exactly happened there is a district on, on in russia called kadi and there was a lot of problems among the, the the committee district uh, the district party committee like uh, a lot of ego fight among the the members and one of those members is named Vlasov and he actually wasn't the 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 ego guy you know he was only a member of the the, the committee alongside other guys but he was some somehow in a conflict with other party members and in Kadi dist- district there was a problem with the bread, the ration of the bread. Actually, the government forbid to the, the people to bake their own bread and after that the, the line of the bread was uh, crowded and there was a lot of problem with the distribution of the bread alongside the Kadid district. And somehow they put this problem specifically on Vlasov's back. So Vlasov was on, was on trial alongside other members of this committee and they started this public trial against him but what's the point Lassoff was a smart guy and he was not playing you know as I, as i mentioned the the trial the public trial used to be a, a some kind of a play with the right actors and actually if you're on trial you somehow try not to f- screw yourself so s- sometimes you you end you end up helping the government you know you 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 try to, to put the guilt on the others back, you try to, to leave the situation. So you try to you you end up helping the government. Acting into this play. But Vlasov wasn't like that. He tried to, to to really put fire on this public trial. And the first stuff that comes to my eye when I when I when I read this part uh, is that he said in the public trial that when the, the bread line was starting to get crowded and the distribution of the bread was starting to get jammed, he wrote a letter to Stalin reporting what it, what was going on. And then, imagine he said that in the public trial so there was a lot of people watching and he was probably the first guy who faced Stalin and the whole government. And then, of course, the, the the they they wonder why what, uh, what Stalin did with this letter, and he said nothing. He didn't he didn't answer us. So the, he sh, he he basically said that it was all Stalin's guilt.
1: Yeah, that's very incredible. The his courage to to face Stalin like that.
0: Yeah, he was he was very 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 brave and. It's funny because the witnesses, who, who participated in the, the the trial, said many things that actually were all confused after this class of speech, and this is this is uh, interesting because at some point he 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 looks to to the judge of the case. Actually. Uh, Yes, the judge. Yes, I'm not. I'm not missing this. Uh, he said that if the the case is is, is wrecking, so the prosecutor should sit in the in the same stool Blasov was sitting, saying that the judge should be trial as well on trial as well. Yes, because he said that there was a problem of the the whole provincial executive executive committee. And this man, this judge was member of this of this committee as well. So if there was some somehow some wrecking, he should be tried as well. And at this point, the whole crowd watching the, the, the trial were shocked. And it's funny to mention that every every public trial ends up with a series of applause, you know? And so so normally the people who who were watching the, the trial used to applaud, you know, the the, the the decision, the sentence. Yeah. But in this particular case, there was no applause. And the funny stuff is Vlasov looked to the people and said, Come on, you bastards, why aren't you clapping? Some communists, you are. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Man. The silence that speaks more than, than words.
0: And this man has has guts.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. So moving on to the chapter eleven, we have the the name of the chapter chapter is Supreme Measure. Supreme Measure is the execution, as you may know it. So uh, they, the so the gets some, some of the executions before the revolution and compares it to the, the numbers between them. So, from 1876 to 1904, for, that's that's like 30 years, 486 people were executed, it's like 17 people per year that were executed, and in not so calm years from the tsarists in 1905 to 1908 2200 people were executed that's kind of 45 a month and now he compares with the uh, numbers of the revolution from june 1918 to october 1919 more than Sixteen thousand were shot. That's more than one thousand per month. That's shocking. Yeah, and it's that's the the funny thing is, first they said it did. There, there's this notion that Stalin was a problem and Lenin was just a, a good, intentioned guy, revolutionary. And but all this this killing machine was under Lenin. He was a murderer as well. So. That's very unfair. Like, like saying like uh, Stalin is a lot worse, but because they are both uh, demons. Yeah.
0: I, I I think Stalin is worse, but doesn't mean you know.
1: Yeah. Read stuff. Yeah. That's right. And the 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 funny thing is, uh, when the revolution happened, there was a Bolshevik slogan. That was down with capital punishment, reinstated by Kerensky. So the the capital punishment was abolished, but then it was restored all the with time. all its force in 1918 to Lenin do whatever he did with there's, it. There's a funny passage actually about this this abolishment
0: of capital punishment. In 1918, Trotsky ordered. A guy called Alexi Shatny, yeah, Alexi Shatsny Yeah, and he tr- he was trial. He was on trial, and uh, the sentence was to be shot within 24 hours. And uh, funny stuff is one of the, the the one of the those who were watching the trial said, "But it, but it has been abolished." And the prosecutor explained it. What are you worrying about? Executions have been abolished. Ch- Chasny is not being executed; he's being shot. So,
1: yeah, have
0: that, some respect. You know, it, it, it's all about it's all about the government will. It's not about what is in the law or not. That's that's at some point actually interesting because the the Article 58 we we were mention. Uh, it is all about convenience, you
1: know? Yeah.
0: Because, right. Oh, we need to put some some rules in the game. No, it was about convenience. Actually, it would be uh, a little bit better to the government if they have a law that allow them to make whatever they want.
1: Yeah. So, and it, it, it brings the some data about Stalin as well here. In 19... 19- 37 to 1939 it's like only 2 years 5000 uh, no 500,000 political prisoners had been shot that's half a million so that's a lot and we are not talking about the genocide with the Ukrainian people like holodomor like that, just just the executions so that's the evil in this system. And yeah. the other, the other thing that he says here in this chapter is about, uh, like, there was a two two hundred condemned prisoners, and they were awaiting the execution. And then he's, he he talks about like what kind of evildoers were these condemned men. So, then he explained the story of the six men and among them, for example, uh, were the six farmers and the, the crime they committed, they were guilty of, is this, let me quote here. After they had finished mowing the collective farm with their own hands, they had gone back and mowed a second time along the hummocks to get a little hay for their own cause, and then they executed them for this, for getting a little hay for their cause. So then he quotes another very important thing here. His, Sozhenitsyn says, Even if Stalin had killed no others, I believe he deserved to be drowned and quartered just for the lives of those six Silo Silo peasants. And, and this thing about the number of people that were killed, uh, there's an important reflection that he made in previous chapters when he talks about the Shakespeare stories. Uh, he said that what differentiates the evildoer in uh, Shakespeare romance and the, an, an evildoer in, in the Soviet Union was a word called ideology. And an ideology made this have this kind of proportion that millions were killed.
0: True.
1: Yes. If you if you take a look
0: at the the stories or romances, there is a evil doer. You see no purpose at all. It's pure
1: evil.
0: Yeah. When you when you when you grab yourself into any kind of ideology, you accept anything for your ideology work. And that's the that's the main problem actually because see it's about six peasants who working in the collective farmers that were killed for nothing. And that's only acceptable because of the the ideology. And that's 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 so heavy to, to imagine. It's like yeah. it's like stealing a pencil for a department organ and being condemned to be shot
1: yeah and it's even worse when you think this way because you know that it's a thing that's not kind of personal because the ideology made made this a kind of a system it, it's the system and it's not the 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 single person you know we we talked about it in the when we were talking about the blue caps right yes when you said you said about the Hannah Arendt quotes so on this team you, you got to work well for the whole machine you 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 are not allowed to have your own
0: your own purpose
1: yeah so in chapter 12
0: i want to i want to make a, a point just to to mention that in this in this chapter, uh, Solzhenitsyn comes back to to talk about Vlasov that I was talking about oh, yes. in the the late in the in the previous chapter, and Vlasov was in a situation where he was condemned to be shot, just like the others. But Solzhenitsyn talk talk about the time that those guys waited to be executed so he he mentioned that if i'm not mistaken vlasov were condemned with other five guys and two or three of them were executed almost immediately so they wait something they waited something like one week to be executed but vlasov actually ended up waiting and waiting and waiting and that was some common stuff in the in the Soviet regime, because when the the when the, the the prisoner is sentenced to be shot, it was not more a problem to the to the committee, to the government itself. It is a problem to the jail administration. So that's why they took so long to to execute people, and even. Sometimes they they change the the punishment. Uh, actually, there was some prisoners that have had their sentence commuted. They their death sentence commuted, so they actually they actually they actually weren't executed, but they stood in a labor camp for something like fifteen years. You know. Uh, I really don't know what is worse.
1: Yeah. So in chapter twelve, the, we have the uh, hunger strikes, right?
0: Yes. Churzak is the name of the chapter. It is actually a technical term, technical name, and in, thi- in this, in this, in this chapter specifically, a soul's needing brings to us uh, the problems into the jail system because actually the the, the prisoners didn't really have any kind of right you no know? uh, actually a lot of a lot of a lot of people in the history of the jail system all over the world and uh, have some kind of right, you know, to have uh, to go on hunger strike or something like that to try to to allow them some kind of better condition in the jail. But in the Soviet regime, it didn't happen, and actually, they took out uh, a lot of rights of the prisoners. And the main thing that Solzhenitsyn brings to us is the hunger strike situation
1: yeah we and the, he says about the, the way that they deal with a uh, hunger strike because they don't want it to be like epi- an epidemic so the first thing they would isolate right yes then they would um, Second thing, I don't remember, uh, I just remember the third. Uh, second
0: thing is like the, the, the ignoring. The, the... Oh yeah, ignoring,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And after that was the... the. It's like forcing the... The, the feed. The yeah, feeding. it's a feeding, obligatory feeding with a kind of a cylinder they put in your mouth and then put the food and it goes down by force.
0: Solzhenitsyn like well, actually compares this stuff with
1: rape. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. kind of a heavy thing.
0: Yeah, and, and, uh, it's, and, and it's incredible to, to see that Solzhenitsyn brings uh, a, a, a situation about Dzerzhinsky. Uh, Dzerzhinsky is a, is a big figure into the, the, the Soviet government, and in 1914, when there was a Tsarist regime running up still, Zerzinsky was arrested with other four comrades, and they ran a hunger strike, and they obtained all their numerous demands. And in the in the Soviet government, it was actually impossible to to get this. If you run a a, a hunger strike normally, you you can obtain nothing.
1: Yeah. So, uh, to close off this chapter, there's a... He talks about an uh, astronomer that he's trying to not not to be mad in the prison. So I I'll I will read this paragraph here. In the first... If the first thing you see each and every morning is the eyes of your cellmate, who has gone insane, how then shall... You save yourself during the coming day. Nikolai Alexandrovich Kozirev, whose brilliant career in astronomy was interrupted by his arrest, saved himself only by thinking of the eternal and infinite, of the order of the universe, and of its supreme spirit, of the stars, of their internal state, and what what time and passing of time really are so that's kind of more poetic and to close off this chapter that that is the last chapter of the part one so we may continue like sooner the the other parts and now we finish this first episode right so thank you very much to being with us until now Don't forget to subscribe, to follow, and to comment here. What do you think? And we will be back soon with other books or the next part of this book. Thank you very much. See you soon.